up, everybody? We are back for another episode of the Gentleman's Double Podcast. Today, um, again, it's just me and the bro. Vince, what's going on? What's up, my man? Yeah, Dougie's, uh, Dougie's concluding his, his, his three-week mancation out there in Miami, I guess. Um, yeah. And uh, he should be back during the cast. We'll see. Um, I haven't gotten his final schedule, but we're gonna we're gonna hit you guys with a, a really sick U.S. Open recap. We think um, lots of different opinions on this past weekend, really. So uh, you know you're gonna hear Jake and I recap this event and uh, provide you guys with what we thought was great and possibly some some sour takes on uh, on some things that occurred. So here we go. Hit it, hit it, Jake. Yeah, yeah. So uh, two man weave this week, like Vince said. Hopefully. Dougie's back next week. There, he did do a little pod. I, I hope some of you guys listened to it, um, where he recapped a trip that he had to East Lake, which is pretty wild. But um, and then hopefully we'll be able to get some of our uh, info uh, from Big Cedar out to you guys as well, because I know we have been kind of lacking um, on on recapping that trip. So, all right, U.S. Open uh, last week. Obviously, John Rahm, an incredible performance down the stretch. Gets the victory out there at Torrey Pines. Um, really, though, a lot to go on. Kind of like a, a content bonanza, if you think about it. A lot of um, players kind of in the mix. Um, some stuff we can talk about in terms of the golf course itself that I think cropped up. Um, and then also, I mean, we can even get into a little bit of the coverage. So definitely plenty for us to kind of unpack here this week um as we as we head into travelers or travelers already started actually when we're recording this so um yeah maybe even touch on that a little bit but what's overall what did you what did you think of tori let's let's just start with our overall thoughts what were your feelings uh i know you watched a bunch this weekend so i did and you know actually i think i like the tori stop uh, a little bit more during the regular course of the season um i know that the scoreboard may have said U.S. Open quality, people didn't shoot 10 under, 16 under, 20 under to win major. Great. Don't mind that. But I, I do think that uh, uh, Tory has more to offer when it is scorable. Because um, I, I think parts of this weekend, it, it felt like you were watching the same hole over, over again. You, I mean, there weren't many people out there with a different strategy other than Bryson, which we talk about his mental catastrophe or whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. um, you know, trying to, trying to accomplish a win. So yeah, I, I think I like it more during the regular season stop. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, I mean, my, if we're talking about the golf course itself, like when I said overall thoughts on, on Tory, I probably should have said overall thoughts on us open, but I think if we're starting with the golf course, you kind of hit the nail on the head, right? It's a tour stop. We know it because we've seen it, but like, I mean, how many holes realistically out there, um, you know, do you like, can you picture right now or, or can you decipher from one another? Cause for me, it's about, you know, three holes probably, right? Like a, the downhill par three, um, 18. And then maybe just from this week, like 13, cause it was kind of like a carnage hole. Like realistically, I think Tory just, it's nothing special. And I think we've seen in the past that sometimes courses that aren't that really don't have a lot to offer um, can still produce really good tournaments, right? Like 
Bell Reeve, where where Kepka wins, uh, and Tiger's kind of in the mix. I mean, they had that's like not a very good golf course. They had horrible weather. Um, it was very very soft, very soggy. It provided a great tournament. Um, so I don't think like a great golf course means you're going to get a great tournament, but I also don't think that a great tournament means that a golf course is great, if that makes sense. Oh, I'm on board. I, I thought that what would have made the U S open great for this stop, especially was the congested leaderboard with big names that we had through Saturday. Um, Mm -hmm. and that was, that was the biggest story of the weekend for me, particularly as a viewer was the people, not the court. Um, and I, I bet I'm not the only person who. Yeah, for sure. I think that like that's one thing that. So if you if you do a little bit of digging, like I, I did a little bit of um, uh, digging before we recorded the pod and was looking at you know scoring averages between the PJ Tour event that's at Tory and the U.S. Open, and actually the scoring averages were were pretty close, right? And so what that does is it lets more people get into the mix. What I think was in the end was really good is the people that got in the mix made that even better. Right. Like we had, um, you know, a a showing where for a minute there, like there was some Rory vibes going on, you know, Bryson led the tournament on Sunday, heading to the back nine for a period of time. Um, you know, Rom kind of faltered in the beginning and then found his way back on Sunday. Uh, there were just a lot of like Kepka was in there for a minute there. There were a lot of players in the game, and I think that that um, really took something that's probably like not that exciting and, and kind of lackluster at points, and you know made it really good and, and got us really involved with it. So, um, yeah, uh, where, where do you want? Who do you want to talk about first? Because there really are a lot of guys we can we can get into here. Well, I, I mean, I do think we start with uh, a guy between Friday and Saturday. His name came out of our mouths and our in our chats. Um, more than 10 times, I think, between yeah. the three of us, uh, you know, when he was at one point in time just kind of floating around the top and then scoring and, you know, catching a stride leading into Sunday um, and then oh, altered again. So I just I can't wait for him to piece together four good rounds. But at the same time, a name you love seeing up there on the top of the leaderboard in a major. Yeah, I just am. I'm like very ready for Rory to to turn this around and stop hurting my soul because I feel like every time he gets in the mix, I'm rooting so hard for him. And this, I don't know about you and how you felt about it, but I think I was texting you on like Friday and was like, "This has a Rory feel to me." And then you know he he kind of played himself closer and closer every round Thursday through Saturday and I. Uh, Saturday night, I was like, this just absolutely reeks of a Rory win. And then there was even like moments on Sunday, and I don't, I was trying to pull up his scorecard just right now. I, I'm trying to, wish I would have wrote it in my notes. I feel like it was on like 11 or something like that. You know, he, he makes like a, a, a absolutely great putt to kind of get himself right into things and then proceeds to just have like a horrible three putt um, soon after. Maybe it was the three putt was on eleven. I'm I'm kind of blanking. Three it's a little foggy. On, uh, he, he so he went bogey on the par three eleven, double bogey twelve, uh, which was basically yeah the end of his U.S. Open. Right, and and it stinks because like he's at he's like kind of at that point where he 
is right there. And even to the end, you know, like he, he had just hovered enough where if he could, could maybe make a birdie or Eagle 18, which obviously is asking a lot. Um, you know, we either feel different or depending on what happens behind him, he's kind of right there. If there's a playoff and I, I want to talk about the playoff later too. Let's not forget that. I want to bring that up. Um, so yeah, look, his best opening round in a major in what feels like forever, some progress, thought he played well, some errors on, in unfortunate spots, but like maybe we're closer to getting something from Rory than uh, we thought we were. So I think that's pretty good. Um, let's, let's go to Kepka next. Uh, what'd you think overall with like kind of his performance and I mean, I don't know. It's it's tough to really talk about Kepka in a negative light, but uh, any thoughts on Kepka this week? You know, not really, other than got what you expect from an amazing. I think uh, you expect him to be around the top of the leaderboard and either either drive, you know, the scoring for the weekend or put pressure on on people. Kind of got both of those things right. He came out. Pretty flat, and then he, I think he shot like three under on the back of the first round, and then you know he's right there at the top of the leaderboard. So, um, again, Brooks, whether he's fighting injury or not, he's the big game hunter for a reason, and uh, I, I think he's gonna win, you know, again this season, uh, maybe mm-hmm. a major. And I, I don't personally think Tory's the best course for him either. So, um. I, I thought he kind of did what he had to do, um, and, yeah. and unfortunately, John Rom just went ape shit on Sunday. That's what that's what happened. <clears throat> yeah, I think. Well, that's a that's a two good points in there that I I kind of felt the same way, and I, we didn't talk really about Brooks much this week anyway. But he's like a guy. He, it just feels like he's always there, and I know that we almost take that for granted, right? We're like, oh, another, maybe Brooks is not. What we thought he was, like, he, he didn't win another one. But, like, the guy puts himself in position and elevates his game in a way that, like, very few other players, know, like, can actually do. Um, and it's proven, like, we know he's not 100%. We don't know the severity of his knee injury. Sometimes I think he's playing it up. Sometimes I think maybe it's worse than he leads on. I don't really know what to think. But, I mean, the guy is always there. And you're right about what you said about Tory not being maybe a great golf course for him. He plays best and he wins his majors generally. Now, Aaron, he- Aaron Hills, like his first major, a little bit different. But he generally wins majors when the golf course is sort of like re- – or he plays his best when the golf course is really hard. And he can make a lot of like uh, uneventful pars. He's that guy. And I think that Tory uh, maybe let more people in because it, it is a tour stop. Guys are familiar with it. You know, the rough was was extremely penal in some spots, but guys kind of knew how to get it around. Putting at Tory isn't like extremely extremely tough, like something like Shinnecock, like we saw where he he won there. So you know, I think that's a, a good point. But I think it's also a, a note to say like another positive note for him. In a year where maybe he's like physically not at his best, he's now contended twice. He, and if you go back to last year, I mean, he had a terrible Sunday, but 
He was right there at the PGA last year as well. So, you know, it, it's it's wild. If you're if you're a guy like that that can elevate your game, the biggest weeks of the year, you take enough you know shots at that dartboard, you're gonna get you're gonna get some. And he's already got four. So I think you're right. I think there's there's more to come. Um, where do you want to go next? Anything else jumping off the page to you? I mean, one of the statistically best players of the weekend was Louie. And, I mean, the guy looked damn good for a course that people probably weren't going to be like, you know, Louie's going to go out and win at Torrey Pines. Um, I'll tell you what. I thought he played great. I love, you know, sweet swinging Louie. There's nothing better than watching him piece together some rounds sometimes. I just, I was really pulling for him, but at the same time, love John Rahm and, and a guy mm-hmm. with that, that killer mentality shoot under on Sunday. I think it was tied for the best round of the day mm-hmm. between, you know, obviously people didn't contend and, or played well and, and him just making two putts that honestly, like I probably wouldn't have been able to feel my feet if I was standing over the two putts. Oh my God. We, yeah. Yeah. I think you, you make some, th- yeah, this is not a John Rom like against John Rom situation. I, I love the John Rom one and I can't wait to talk. I was kind of trying to save John Rom as our, our last like kind of guy to talk about, but um, yeah, Louis, I thought Louis was going to win like all Sunday, even though there were whiffs of these other players that I kind of root for. And like we talked about Rory a little bit uh, to me, Louis was driving at the best all day long until 17 and we can get into that in a minute um i thought that he maybe was hitting some very like kind of like kind of uneventful iron shots but you know by doing that by by putting himself in a position where like he was really kind of taking the big mistake out as much as possible um and also don't forget he's playing with mac hughes who was struggling and that's not an easy thing to do right he's trying to like yeah keep himself in the zone yeah, yeah, he's like in it, and he's trying to contend. He's trying to win, and he's got Mac Hughes, you know, who's struggling a little bit, and that's tough. So, uh, yeah, I think it's it's crazy the the fact that this guy has been runner up five times. He only has one major. Um, it just is. It's pretty crazy to me, honestly. You know, I think back to. Um, you know, when he, he kind of lost in the playoff, well, he definitely lost in the playoff to, to Bubba um, at the Masters. Um, that one is kind of one that I would say really got away from him. And this one, to me, feels a lot more like that one than some of his other runner-ups where maybe he, he got beat a little bit. Um, what are your thoughts on the kind of the T-ball on 17 and then, how things play out at 18. Do you have any thoughts on that? And, and obviously it's revisionist history. We're not pro golfers, but I think there are some things that can be taken from that. I, I think like, let's talk about, let's frame up the first 16 holes and 17 tee box, right? You, you're even through 16. You just had a great two putt for par on 16, mm-hmm. right? He hit his ball like Way, I guess it's right if you're looking at the flag. I think he had like a 40-foot putt or a 30-foot putt, and he had eight feet left to save par. Great save. You get up to 17, and you're even on the day, and you're one. You're technically tied, um, and you know you have a scoring hole at 18, right? Or like a potential scoring hole at 18. 
so what's just whatever the line he took is uh if i were his caddy like i would not let him challenge the whole left side of that left half of that fairway um it didn't look like he snapped it that hard Mm -hmm. so I, i don't know how you're not hitting out of that bunker that's probably out of reach for you on the right hand side yeah, it's a great question. I, I think actually he was he knew he needed a birdie on one of the last two. But you make a good point about eighteen, right? It's a par five. They had that pin front right. Um, you didn't have to go for the green there necessarily to uh, to to make a, a kind of I don't want to say an easy birdie, but to make a make a pretty solid or have a solid look at birdie on eighteen. Seven. The weird thing about seventeen is you're right. He comes off of like an incredible recovery to make a par on 16 where he, I mean, he really should have put himself in probably a slightly better position, not put that much pressure on him. Um, and then when he goes to, to 17, I am not one as a golfer philosophy wise that thinks like the, you have to take the mistake comp- or I shouldn't say you have to take the mistake, but like, that you have to take the trouble completely out of play. I know the announcers were saying, oh my God, like all he had to do was hit it anywhere east of the Pacific Ocean, basically, and he's fine, right? Like all he has to do is is he could block at a mile right and play the hole. And that's true. But like we kind of forget that like the guy does need a birdie. He doesn't want to have to lean on the fact that, you know, 18 has to be a birdie. He could put himself in a spot on 18 potentially where he can't make birdie. He's trying to make sure that he gives himself a chance to make birdie. And in doing so, that might be, I think that's the only hole where the canyon actually comes into play. The the whole, uh, Torrey Pines like has a ton of cliffs and canyons and all this stuff. 17 on on the south course, the only time it comes into play and of course, you know, as you said, it wasn't really a snap, but it did challenge it. And let me let me tell you, like if he gets if he gets it down the left, he's got an incredible angle. And I think that was part of what the thought process was. There was like, hey, listen, we don't we could we could birdie eighteen to win. You know what I mean? And, and so you have to give him some credit there, where it's like, if the goal is to win the golf tournament. The guy has been an absolute machine off the tee most of the day. You know, I, I kind of get it. I, I know everybody gave him a really hard time, but like he attempted to win the golf tournament. Tournament. He he wasn't trying to not lose it, and that's okay. You know, sometimes you, and that's probably a decision he can live with because he he knows. And then, in like I, I said about eighteen earlier, I think that's a hard thing though. Did you, 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 like, what did you think of how that all went down on 18? For Louie? Yeah, for Louie. I mean, and he birdied 18 still. Yeah, it, I guess he, I'm more. He hit it in, like, just on top of the fairway bunker and then laid up. That's why I'm saying 18 is, isn't is your 13. 18 isn't your, um, what's the other long par 5? That's the only long par 5, I guess you could say. 616 yeah. yards. Like, 18 is, isn't that whole. And neither is 17. Like, the thing is, 17, You he could have played three wood and eight iron real easy. I think I think if his ball had hit the fairway, he would have only had a 110-yard shot. 
120 yard shot. So I, mm-hmm. I think there there was two two options there. Um, and, and 17 was a big mistake. There's not even OB on both sides of 18, right? You can hit mm-hmm. it in the bunker. You can lay up to 60 yards, and you can you can go up and down from Perry. So, um, again, my thought process <clears throat> around 18 actually being a, a good closing par five, I think probably one of the better closing par fives uh, out there um, for scoring and for things to really change on 18. You have penalty in front of the whole thing. Um, mm-hmm. And Louis, and again, like I said, he could have played 18 safe and still made a break. Yeah, I th- I guess what I'm like thinking about with 18 is like it was really good for them for the coverage to kind of finally shut up a little bit and just let us hear what Louis was going through because they're trying to figure out a way where he can get the ball, you know, anywhere near the surface of the green there to have an eagle putt and he just couldn't do it. Right. He drove that, he hit a pretty good drive. He knew it was a little bit left. It gets hung up almost immediately. Cause that rough is really thick on the left side of 18. He doesn't have a shot, you know, into the green. I think, I think they said he had something like two twenty-five or something like that, but he has to basically take it all over that lake to get there. And he's talking to his caddy about, some way to run it up. And then they're trying to pick a yardage because now he's got to dunk a wedge. And like, I mean, that's, it's, it's just, I I think when we go back to all of it, if you were, if you were going through that round through Louie, I I get what you're saying. Like why press on 17? Because you can still make a birdie on 18. And I think it's probably like very apropos that like Louie, this guy who always ends up as a runner up in a major still birdies 18 out of the left rough. Um, and, and really it's just one swing, right? It's just one blemish for him. And a lot of guys had blemishes on Sunday. His just came at a point where you couldn't have it. You know what I mean? Not yeah. enough holes to get it back at that point. So tough, tough luck for, uh, for Louis. Um, I think before we talk about our, our champ, John Rahm, I think we should spend at least two seconds here talking about Bryson Sunday and really Bryson all week. Um, what do you? What do you? Uh, what were your feelings on not only his performance, but um, kind of some of the stuff maybe that that I don't know he, I, some of his strategy and his way of playing around Tory. I, I have two words to describe Bryson's display this weekend. You ready? Mentally yeah, fickle. Okay. Yeah. This I weekend, how like, like he might boast about you know his mental strength and acuity uh, and you really saw golf get under his skin this week. That, that's how I felt watching Bryson play. And actually, I watched a few of his holes today. And he snapped two drives in the two holes that I watched. And it, his demeanor was awful. So mm-hmm. I, I do think that this weekend was that he can't say, this is going to be my strategy for USGA and US Open events. I'm just going to blast it and hack it. Uh, I'm gonna hit shots out to where all the fans are standing because I'm gonna get a better lie than the than the rough that is prepared for us to challenge us, mm-hmm. um, and and then come out and shoot uh, 77 on Sunday. So uh, yes, I thought Bryson was evidently mentally fickle this weekend. Exactly how I felt. I think that's. I mean, I'm kind of in the same boat. I think that the mentality, his mentality, and and not only just like with this week, but 
things that we've seen, like him kicking out fans for calling him Brooksy and all this stuff. Like, I, he doesn't seem to be maybe the the strongest when adversity or or things that tick him off kind of happen. But uh, yeah, it's weird because we saw two things from Bryson, in my opinion, this week. We saw him really not play that great. And then at the same time, still have the lead on Sunday. We also saw that when his strategy doesn't work just like dead perfect, if it, if it starts to kind of snowball, he, it's the same kind of issue that like weekend golfers go through when they aren't hitting it great or they're playing a really hard golf course, right? Like, he a 13 was a great example. I mean, he was on the right side of 13 the the entire freaking hole until he blasted that bunker shot. You know, he he hit like a straight up grand slam, touch them all home run bunker shot. And it's just like, dude, you know, you can eventually take your medicine here. Like you can you can say I have to make a par here. You know what I mean? And and honestly, by that point, he had already kind of been struggling on the back. Um, on his way to a back nine 44. So it was like, you know, he, he, already, he knew he had to press, and I get that. But we saw that, um, you know, what Bryson could do at winged foot, which was blast driver all over the map, and then be able to hit a shot coming out of that rough with no spin. And, and a lot of the greens at winged foot actually, you know, were open in the front, so he could kind of run it up there. He could use some slopes to run it towards pins or, or hold the ball. At Tory, he couldn't really do that. A lot of those greens are either elevated um, or they you know, might have rough surrounding them. They might have bunkering surrounding them. Um, and they don't have as many distinct slopes. So a lot of times he wasn't able to kind of use that funneling effect coming out of the rough. And it just it didn't work. But I think your point about him being like mentally weak or mentally you know, fickle this week, as you said, um, yeah. I think that's a hundred percent a thing. I think all of this is affecting him, whether it be the decision next year to ban green reading books, which we know he relies very, very heavily on, whether it be this stuff with Brooks, whether it be all the questions about if his strategy is going to work, um, whether it might even honestly also be that there's a guy in the field that hits it so much further than him without doing what Bryson did to his body to do it. Like, Everything affects Bryson, I think, is what we have to get down to. You know, he's a he's like the Indianapolis Colts of golfers, right? He plays in a dome. He's a dome team. And when you get him outside the dome, he just doesn't really vibe. So but again, he had the lead in on Sunday playing with that much fluctuation and variation in his game after like a tough start, got it all back together and then obviously had a horrible finish. But I did also see that uh, in his closing press conference, like somebody asked him, you know, what you know, what happened, how to get off the rails, and he kind of got pissed off at even that, and and was telling the reporter, excuse me, that it didn't really, it didn't get off the rails. It was, it's kind of that's golf. Sometimes you get unlucky, you make a couple bad swings, get a couple bad breaks, yada yada yada, and maybe that's just his way of trying to explain away some of the struggle. But, like, it very clearly was off the rails. So when you can't admit that, it looks pretty shitty, in my opinion. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, um, his back nine, he did shoot 44 on the back, right? So Correct. And over yeah. there, that's 
Okay, it was eight over on that side. So. Of which he finished six over for the day. Uh, yeah, yeah, I would consider that off the rails. Agreed. Agreed. That caliber of golfer, absolutely. For you and I, probably, sometimes. I mean, not in those conditions, obviously. Well, not but a, not a, We're not talking about the U.S. You and I are sure. playing Tory Pines. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 for sure. But uh, you make a great point, right? Like, if I shoot a 44, I feel super shitty about it. And it to me, if someone was to say, like, how did you play today? I might even use the term, like, it was off the rails. Like, I just played like shit. I didn't have it. And, uh, you know, you were a higher level athlete. Dougie was a higher level athlete. You know, sometimes when you, when you have a bad performance, better athletes don't explain that away with negatives. They lean on the positive, right? The only thing is, is that, like, we have seen Bryson in the past be this, like, very, like, empirical thinker and this guy that's really based in all this science and fact and all this other stuff. And then when it comes to a question like that, instead of, like, really kind of looking at and confronting the facts – what we get is this kind of like almost angry at the reporter for asking it to him that way answer about how it didn't go off the rails instead of him, you know, realistically saying like, yeah, I, when I can't control my power, like I am going to struggle and it just, it didn't work today. Like if he would have said that, I think people would be like, huh, that's like a different guy. You know what I mean? That, that, Unfortunately, that's, that's looking down on yourself, you know, a wider view sure exactly yeah i think that's a well said well said bryson much more of a myopic guy not a wide view guy i like that all right let's get to our champ john ron uh first major you know comes two weeks after the Basically, he had like whatever, $6 million taken out of his pocket because of a positive COVID test after he was blitzing the field at the memorial. Um, what, what, let's talk about Rahm's performance and your thoughts on him um, winning the U.S. Open first major championship for him. One great, very, very happy to see Rahm you know, get a W. I think overly deserving of a major championship by, by this point in time in his career. Um, uh, again, uh, the story of the weekend for some of the guys up at the top was just, you know, just making it like surviving survival of the fittest. Um, and then you, and then finally Sunday comes and Rom does what he does. Right. Actually, I wouldn't even say he does what he does. He played okay on the back. He, he, he capitalized on opportunities and he made a few bogeys too, uh, but at the same time, it was it was survival of the fittest. He ends up shooting Wander on Sunday, win by one. I can't say anything else other than seventeen and eighteen was fucking triple A TV, uh, and and just his shots in general. That birdie uh, to seal the deal was amazing. Yeah, I think it's well said. I mean, listen, he's he he's played at a similar statistical clip when it comes to like tournaments, cuts made, wins, all that jazz. Similar, I'm not saying it's the same, because I know if I say it's the same, people will go freak out. Similar to Tiger Woods. He's had an incredible start to his career. The guy has been just an absolute monster since he stepped foot on the tour. Um, you know, a lot can be said about his golf swing. 
it, it seems to be just an incredible move for being repetitive and consistent. You can talk about how he's changed as a player, right? He, we, we've seen him uh, be a hothead. We've seen him make some dumb decisions like at the players a couple of years ago. Um, we've seen him, though, sort of like we – have, we have to remember that this huge, like big dude who's been really, really great is also very young um, and clearly has you know matured as time has gone on. And I think even like this whole COVID thing, right, like – Oh, yeah. It really, it really shouldn't be any of our business. I don't personally. I don't think the way that it was handled was very good by the tour. But I think he's handled it really well, right? He's come out. And he said, like, listen, I put myself in this situation. I probably should have got vaccinated earlier. I didn't do it. That was a, a mistake on my part. I don't blame anyone but myself for what happened. And that's it. And look, two weeks later, it pays off, and he in in him winning the tournament that he probably wants to win a lot more than, than the Memorial. You know what I mean? Um, and then, yeah, let, I mean, in terms of his performance on Sunday, I'd said to you that I thought Louie was the best driver of the golf ball. He was clearly driving at the best that day. I don't know if anybody was hitting irons better than Rom. I felt like he was absolutely thrashing every iron. Um, and yeah, it was just something to watch. Those two putts, on 17 and 18, you, you can't talk enough about, like, it doesn't really get harder than, a, like, downhill left to righters for a right-hander that are bending a couple feet. Um, you know, that, that's really, really hard putts to make. It's We haven't seen many guys, I feel like, just absolutely take a major that way. We've seen plenty of, like, solid performances where, like, Brooks is a great example, as I said earlier, kind of, like, wearing people down with making pars and the occasional birdie here and there, but like to make two big putts to snatch a major away. We haven't seen that in quite some time. I feel like, and I think it was very, uh, it's very much Rom style. You know, we saw it last year in that playoff with DJ where they were like trading long bomb putts. Um, I forget where that was. I'm blanking on that one. I think it was the BMW, but, um, yeah, but and so I think in the end, like he's he's incredibly deserving. I think if you were going to ask me who projects to be the best of that age group, I would have said Rom before, and I will still say Rom right now. Um, and I I am just pumped, like for the wars that we're going to get to see, at least what I believe between a couple of these top players over the next couple of years and. Who knows what this does for a guy like Ron, who I feel like did put a lot of pressure on himself to win a big one. He's now got it. You know, floodgates could open a little bit because, you know, I see him as a as a four or five major guy. I really believe that. So should be should be interesting. Congrats to John Rom. Just an unbelievable performance on Sunday. So anything else you want to say in regards to. Uh, the golf course or players about Tory? No, I really don't. Um, I thought that, like I said, one of the best parts of the weekend was having uh, the cream of the crop of guys on tour, you know, like near the top of the leaderboard and and in, in contention. Um, I, there were so many guys in contention by Friday afternoon, halfway through Saturday, that, uh, like I said, there was 
you could have thrown five names out there and be like, any one of those guys could have won had they mm-hmm. made two or three better choices, one or two more. And and again, Rom, uh, huge hats off to I definitely seen uh, you know, temper one or two times, and I, for me as an amateur golfer, like nothing boils me, throws me through the roller coaster of emotions more than making birdies and bogeys. And guess what he did on the back nine, right? He he rode that roller coaster for six fucking holes, <laughs> and then seventeen and eighteen, he came out and won it. So uh, again, yeah. hats off to him for just staying in the zone and and realizing that this was the opportunity after Oreo was kind of taken from him and uh, we'll call it taken from him because that's kind of what it was and uh and this was the opportunity and you know hey what what a fucking trophy for fatherhood for he is a golfer too and i honestly like i root for john rom all the time i think probably one of my favorite people to watch and and uh an ending that is well deserved yeah I, I totally agree let me ask you this Tory Pines should it get another major I don't think anytime soon I, I do okay. think this year we've seen some courses that are new to the rotation that are, are to be very good I think this is men's and women's game we've seen some courses that uh turn out to play very very good for events and it's just it should be eye-opening for the usga and the pga to to really start looking at courses out there to to rotate in to, to you know invest some time in and i think that, that we could have some like really sick major venues and tory should be put on the back burner i understand it's like historic in a way but uh there's a lot of great golf out there so I do think it, it should be saddled for. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I mean, I kind of tend to agree. Um, yeah. What did you think about the setup overall this week at Tory? Did you think that it was maybe not U.S. Open like enough? Do you think it was they, they should have done some things to separate it from its yearly kind of tour stop, or were you just like, hey, whatever, like this is what we're gonna get? So that, that was kind of one of the things I was trying to hint at was it just didn't feel very different to me at all. Like, what was the okay. biggest difference other than a lot of rough? Uh, you know, they grew that rough up as thick as they could. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you said the scoring average wasn't different, so how could it have played very different, right? Yeah. That's a question yeah. we all ask ourselves. So, uh, again, I, I think you create some runoffs towards more penalty areas, get that thing as firm as you can. Um, and, and you don't let guys, you know, hit the ball 40 yards right of the shit that you, you've placed there on purpose. Right. Make it more difficult. Yeah. I think that's, that is absolutely well said is that if like, if somebody went in there and, and I mean, listen, Tory's gone through multiple redos, right? Huge redo in 2006, another like refresh in 2016. Someone with a different, because both those redos were done by the same person, maybe someone with a different eye needs to go in there because you're right. Like, look at how exciting 17 was when you 
had the ball kind of rolling and playing towards a hazard. You brought in more variants. You brought in bigger numbers. Um, I definitely think that if they did that, I would be keen to see Tory again. But in the way that it played this week, to me, it was a glorified version of the PGA Tour stop that we see every year. And it really kind of like started me down this rabbit hole of thinking about how I feel like the PGA and the U.S. Open are kind of both going through an identity crisis, right? And it's almost like the PGA is becoming the U.S. Open with its course setup, its venue choices, things like that. And the U.S. Open is really trying to stay away from like the controversies that we saw, like when they went to, you know, Chambers Bay or when they went to Aaron Hills and it rained and the guys just absolutely went deep or um, even Shinnecock, you know, when they got the greens going crazy and Phil hit a moving ball, right? Like, it's like they don't want that. But guess what? Like, to me, I don't know about to you, but to me, that was like the shit that I loved. Like, I love Chambers Bay. I didn't care that the greens were bouncy. I thought that was sick, right? Give me something where, you know, it's not perfect. I'm fine with that. And I, I thought that uh, Shinnecock was awesome. And I think sometimes you have to be the controversial. There's no controversial major right now but they could be the one um, and they're leaning away from it. That's why we get this vanilla setup um, at Tory this week. So I think the, yeah. only, the only question is, would you feel better about Tory? Didn't see it every year. Like that's, I, I think if you give it mm-hmm. and you, if you made it a major venue, something like that, um, I think I'd feel better about it. Simply because it just gives you more time to think about what you need to, how, how you need to adapt to today's game. I, I just, Tory is yeah. stale. Yeah. Yeah, I think you you make a, like a, a good point there too, because I was co- talking to some guys on the golf course the other day and making kind of my point about Tory. This is prior to the tournament, and they brought up, you know, Tiger in 2008. And I said, yeah, but like, imagine, just take yourself to 2008 for a minute, right? Absolutely incredible. Tiger Woods makes, you know, so much noise coming in, gets into a playoff with Rocco on a broken leg. And then it's a Sunday 18-hole playoff. He beats Rocco to win the U.S. Open, literally on a broken leg. And it ends up being his last major for a very, very long time. Think about how many narrative storylines had to go into that to make Tory a legendary moment. Do you know what I mean? Like all of those things had to line up. Tiger Woods playing his ass off, broken leg, this journeyman player, you know, that should have no business playing with Tiger Woods, taking him to the absolute limit before Tiger comes out triumphant, right? All of those things needed to happen to make Tory Pines special in 2008. And then you go through a chunk of years where you're playing a PGA Tour tournament at it, and very rarely is that tournament very special. Um, and then you get to it here in 2021. And I think people think like, oh, you just snap your fingers and Tory becomes exciting again because it's for a major. But the, the players are different. The storylines are different. The roles are different. In the end, was it fairly exciting? Yeah, it was because John Rahm dropped two bomb putts on the last two holes to snatch a major away from someone. But Overall, did I find it to be very exciting? Not really. And that's just 
and how it went. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So, and you, you all take right. the four or five guys we had our eyes on, and you put them all tied going into 17-18, then yeah, we're, we're cracking our beers open, and we're standing on, in front of the TV. Uh, that's mm-hmm. a different story. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, again, you said it. The story of Tiger in 2008, uh, Tori hasn't hasn't created something like that since then. Right. And again, you hold on to it, which is what's happening, or or you figure out how to what you need to do to write another one, not rewrite something, but write another one. Yeah, for sure. And that's it. That's and that's the USGA's opportunity. It, it is not their obligation. It is opportunity. I hope mm-hmm. I said that well. Yeah. Yeah, well, definitely well said. I had something else to say, but you said it so well that I'm not even going to bring it up. So very, very good. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. Uh, Last thing I want to talk about with the U.S. Open, very, very briefly, I don't want to rag on coverage because I feel like every person on Twitter, every podcast, every person in the golf universe was absolutely shredding the coverage this week. So I'm going to make it very brief. It sucked. NBC is stale. And that hurt this tournament too, right? We're at a golf course that's coming off as kind of boring that we see every year. And frankly, the fact that NBC was doing the coverage made it feel like something we see all the time anyway. And I was texting you and I was texting Doug. I could not miss Fox more. I, 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 I feel like we have regressed. I feel like we went from this upstart company that was – trying to cover golf a little bit differently, going commercial free, giving us all the tracers, giving us, you know, showing us where all the slopes are, helping us understand the wind more, helping us understand the strategy of the hole or the type of grass or giving us a gajillion drone shots, whatever it was, we, we went from that and we just absolutely stripped all that away. And I know that NBC picked up this contract when Fox let it go during COVID for cost reasons but goddamn, could you come up with anything else to fucking do for a major to separate it from a PGA Tour week? And the answer clearly is no. Um, and, and jumping it to Peacock does not count. I like Peacock. I think Peacock coverage is cool. But just putting it on Peacock for a couple hours does, is not a revolutionary idea at this point. Everybody has streaming, so that's, that's not it either. You have anything to say about coverage? Preach, Jakey. Preach. Preach to the choir. <laughs> God, it was so I, shitty. I have nothing, and honestly, like I think we sparked that conversation like midweek because I was bitching about the the glaring difference in the Euro 2020-2021 tournament coverage on Fox versus the CONCACAF soccer matches. And how yeah, we were that, the yeah. CONCACAF matches on TV. It's like you're at a high school football field and somebody's streaming in 480p with a fucking hand camcorder. Uh, it's just <laughs> so bad in the difference is, is so obvious. Um, it, it happens in, I, I would say a lot of sports, uh, but soccer and golf do sports where it is very, very obvious. Um, and, and yeah, give me Fox all day. Yeah. Yep. I think, you know, rip, rip to Fox. We miss you every day. Come back to us sometime <laughs> soon. Save us from this malaise. But yeah, w- well said um, as well. Yeah, man. All right, anything anything else? You want to wrap oh, up the U.S. Open? That, anything? That's it. You playing this weekend or what? Well, tell everybody. Oh, I don't know. Uh, I mean, this actually, weekend, yeah, weekend. I am. <laughs> so, 
Yeah, so I just came back from a little vacation. Haven't touched the sticks in about seven days. Um, I played today. It was not pretty. It was very, very rusty. But I have to play my um, Woodcrest Open match Saturday morning. So I'm going to try to get a couple holes in tomorrow and uh, try to work off some of the rust and then go play that match. Yeah, that sounds... I'm not playing tomorrow. I'm going to try to get out Saturday afternoon. Tom and I are going to try to play an afternoon round, uh, beat the storms that are supposed to come in Sunday and last for a few days. Uh, so that'll probably be our only opportunity to play. And nice. uh, and, and that's really about it. Um, not a lot of stake in the Travelers, of course, but uh, I actually I like the course. Yeah, River Highlands is good. Yeah, I, I think it's a good weekly, you know, a PGA stop. I think it's a good PGA stop. Um, and that's really it, man. I've we've done a ton of work at the house, so gonna hopefully finish all that shit up and uh, and then get out Saturday afternoon to play some golf. Nice, man. Sounds good. All right. Well, listen up, everybody. Hopefully, you know, hopefully Doug will be back soon. If you follow him on Instagram, you'll see that he's been in Atlanta. He's been down in Miami. They were at some Italian restaurant. They're, let me tell you, they were at this Italian restaurant. There's a lot of sausage at that table, if you hear what I'm saying. But, um, you know, he's been kind of living the life down there in South Beach. And uh, hopefully he'll return to us soon so we can recap our trip to Big Cedar and kind of talk about um, whatever we have going on. I know Dougie's got some events coming up this summer as well. So, uh, yeah, we, we would love to really kind of get to dig down into those a little bit more um and and break up some of the you know the every day every, or every week uh, pga tour talk um with some of those other things that we've, we're getting into but um again thank you thank you for listening thank you for sticking with us and uh vince why don't you why don't you take us home all right gentlemen double uh as my for my aforementioned landscaping i just got finished before this podcast recording i am now <laughs> gonna go and pour myself a double kick back Enjoy this weekend coming up, and we'll be catching you after the travelers. Thanks again.